This episode of Investing Compass is brought to you by Milford. Milford's talented and globally experienced investment team aim to deliver strong, long-term returns while managing downside risks. They also invest in the same funds as their clients. Learn more and see the Milford Fund's product disclosure statements and target market determinations at milfordasset.com.au. Welcome to another episode of Investing Compass. Before we begin, a quick note that the information in this podcast is general in nature. It does not take into consideration your personal situation, circumstances, or needs. So I am sitting across from a smiling Shawnee. And I'm she's, always smiling. Uh, you are not always smiling, <laughs> but you are smiling because you're about to go on vacation for two weeks. I am, yeah. You just came back from vacation for two weeks, but... Well, I'm, I'm in a much better position because I'm going. So Yeah, yeah. No, that's, that is true. <laughs> um, so you're going to Sri Lanka. I am, yeah. So this is the longest I've been away from Sri Lanka. COVID kind of cooked things. So Yeah, I mean, there's been like a coup since you left. <laughs> so you think everything's going to be different? Uh, I don't know. I mean, I'm just sort of holding myself up at the beach and drinking coconuts. And apparently eating sandwiches because Shawnee sent me a photo a couple <laughs> minutes ago of a sandwich that had fried rice in it. It's very strange. I'm not. I'm not going to be eating the sandwich, but it's yeah, it's very strange. Okay, doesn't doesn't scream out Sri Lankan food to no. me. But anyway, why don't we get into the episode? Because the faster we finish this, the faster you can go on vacation. Don't think it works like that. But let's let's get going. All right. So Mark talks about income investing and dividends on this podcast quite a lot, and that is because it is the main goal of his investing strategy to receive dividends. That's right, Johnny. So there are not many things that I have in common with John Rockefeller. I mean, at least I don't think so. But Rockefeller loved dividends, Johnny. So that's one thing that we do have in common. And he has this quote. I don't have any good quotes about that, but he has this quote that says, do you know the only thing that gives me pleasure? It is to see my dividends coming in. Okay. And if the world's first billionaire was a fan of dividends, who would we argue, right, Mark? Yeah. No, I don't think I don't think it should be us. But I think my view on dividends is perhaps a bit more nuanced than Rockefeller's. And I guess I derive maybe some joy from seeing a dividend come in, but the actual joy comes from, of course, spending those dividends. And I will provide a little bit of context here. So I began my income investing journey when I was 22 years old, and that was during the wreckage of the dot-com crash. And I was still a really new investor. And of course, it was a crazy environment. There was all this irrational exuberance and nonsensical hype. And it was all crashing down around me and every other investor. And I was just looking for something more tangible. And what is more tangible than a dividend? Can't really think of much, Mark, but a dividend is a reminder that what we are doing as investors is real. We own real companies that generate real profits, and a portion of those profits are shared with us as the owners of the business. And that's really the appeal that I saw in dividends. So I was immediately hooked. And in this like moment of clarity, I saw dividends as a pathway to independence at an age where I didn't really want to work for my entire life. And here you are 20 years later. Yes, and I, I am still working, but my dividend income is also contributing to traveling, which is something I enjoy a lot, not that that's exactly unique. And it allows me to travel in a manner and quantity 
that I wouldn't be able to if I was just supporting that with my income. So that's a form of independence, right, Johnny? Yeah. So today, what we're going to do is outline the steps that Mark follows to build his income portfolio. And underpinning all of this is a common theme. There's a common theme in the approach to income investing or any investment strategy, and that is time. Yeah. And really successful investing is all about accruing the benefits that come with the passage of time and not wasting the opportunity that time affords. So saving and compounding for years and years is the pathway to success. So with that out of the way, let's get to step one, balance dividend growth and current yield. Everything in life involves trade-offs and income investing is no different. Many income investors search for shares with the highest current yield, thinking that that is a way to develop an income stream. And if you have time before you need that income, a better approach may be finding shares with a long runway of dividend growth ahead of them. So my revelation on dividends may have been a eureka moment for me, but developing my strategy took a lot of time in a spreadsheet. And what I initially used the spreadsheet for was to try to see the trade-off between dividend growth and a higher current yield. And high current yields can indicate a dividend trap where the market has bid down the share price because of fears that the dividend is unsustainable and will be cut. It is obvious that those situations should be avoided. But a high current dividend yield is often the result of a high payout rate. That means that more of the earnings generated are paid out in dividends. And this can leave less money to reinvest in the business, which may hamper future earnings and dividend growth. And it is worth noting here that there are some differences between the Aussie market and global markets. So because of franking credits, there's even more incentive for Australian investors to buy dividend-paying shares. And so companies, of course, respond to this, and they pay high dividends compared to the rest of the world. But these high dividend yields mean high payout rates. And historically, the dividend growth has been lower in Australia. So let's give an example of this trade-off, and we'll use Genesis Energy. So that is a share with the ticker symbol GNE. It's currently yielding a really healthy 5.9%. All right, so let's compare this to one of Mark's recent purchases, American Tower, listed on the New York Stock Exchange with the ticker symbol AMT. It has a current yield of 2.68%. As an investor looking for the highest possible income stream in 10 years, the current yield may not be the key driver of total income in a decade's time. So let's say you invest $10,000 in each share you would have a current income of $590 from Genesis and $268 from American Tower. Over the past five years, Genesis's dividend went from $0.17 cents a share to $0.15 cents a share. So if we assume that they reverse this trend and manage to grow the dividend 2% a year for the next decade, your total income in 2033 would be $719 a year. To match that with American Tower, you would need dividend growth of 10.38% a year. That does sound like a pretty tall order, but we can see that American Tower has managed to grow their dividend at an average of just under 19% over the last five years. And predicting future growth in dividends is not easy. They are, after all, a product of management's willingness to keep growing the dividend and the underlying performance of the company to support that growth. The point of considering this trade-off is to understand that building an income portfolio may involve a mixture of high-yielding shares and shares that have the opportunity to grow their dividends. Relying too much on the former can stunt your overall dividend growth. And it's important to point out that just because you don't need to withdraw income over the next 10 years or so doesn't mean that it serves no purpose and has no use. 
The beauty of pre-drawdown income investing is that you can turbocharge growth by dividend reinvestment. And that brings us to the next step of the process. This is compounding your income growth. Rising dividends is one source of income growth in your portfolio, but there's another powerful driver, and that's using dividend income you've received to buy more shares. Those additional shares will also pay a dividend, which will grow your income further. This can be done either through a dividend reinvestment plan or a drip, which will give you more shares of the company paying the dividend, or by collecting the dividends and investing them in other companies. This is compounding for income. And we love examples here at Investing Compass, so let's give another one. Okay, so we'll take you back to 2013. So Shawnee was in uni, and I was already <laughs> an old man. And I bought 860 shares of Cisco. So that is a share listed on the New York Stock Exchange with the ticker symbol CSCO. So I turned on the drip plan and have left it on ever since. So I now own 1,654 shares without ever having made another purchase. So in 2013, Cisco paid $0.68 cents a share in dividends. The dividends stayed the same. My income would have grown from just over $584 a year to $1,124 a year. But luckily for me and other Cisco shareholders, the dividend did not stay the same, and Cisco paid $1.52 a share in 2022. That represents dividend growth of 8.28% a year. Yet my income from Cisco was $2,514 a year in 2022, which is a growth rate of 15.72% per year. So I've almost doubled my per year income growth through the compounding effect of dividend reinvestment. But I do think an important disclaimer to make here is that Mark has cherry-picked this position to illustrate the impact of compounding. Yeah, no, exactly. It's like a flower still standing in the rubble, right, of the rest <laughs> of my portfolio. But I thought giving a personal example would be more powerful. But like every investor, there have obviously been misses in my portfolio. Dividends have been cut and growth that has never materialized. And I'm not a fan of manifesting, Shani, if that surprises you. But understanding what success looks like can help identify potential opportunities while maintaining the patience to see them through. All right. So, so far, we've covered off on two sources of income growth with dividend increases and the compounding effects of dividend reinvestment. The third is new contributions you make to your portfolio. And that is another source of income growth in your portfolio. Exactly. So the more you save and invest, the more you grow your income. The market cap weighted dividend yield of the ASX is currently around 4.5%. So if you contribute $10,000 a year to your portfolio, you will add $450 in income. And that's, of course, assuming you achieve the average yield. So my initial goal when I was younger was to grow my total dividend income by 10% a year. And initially, this was easily achievable. So my contributions were relatively large in comparison to my total portfolio size. And if we expand on that example, if you have a $100,000 portfolio that matches the approximate 4.5% yield of the ASX, you will have total income of $4,500 a year. Investing $10K and getting $450 a year in additional income gives you 10% growth before accounting for dividend increases or the impact of reinvestment. But that becomes harder to achieve when your portfolio grows. For example, if you have a $500,000 portfolio generating $22,500 in income, you would need income growth of $2,250 to hit that 10% goal. Yeah, and even if your contributions double to $20,000 a year, 
you're still only adding $900 of income based on that 4.5% yield. And that leaves a shortfall of $1,350 to be made up from dividend increases and the impact of reinvestment. And I personally confronted this rea- the reality of this math after several years of investing, which sent me back into the spreadsheet to try and solve this problem. And unfortunately, there is no formula for this reality of income investing. So Mark, how have you thought about this with your portfolio? Well, I basically realized that a tiered approach to income growth is more realistic. So maybe a double-digit goal is possible if you were just starting out, but that will get lower over time. So you can account for this in any projections you're making. So it's worth exploring the source of income growth in your portfolio. So figure out how much you can contribute and how much additional income that gets you. Then look at the growth achievable from dividend reinvestment. The quick way to do this is looking at the total expected yearly dividends and the yield of your current portfolio. This will slightly underestimate the total income growth from dividend reinvestment as you will get a quarterly compounding effect from quarterly dividends and semi-annual compounding effect from semi-annual dividends. The remainder will come from dividend growth. Okay, so we're on to our last step, and this is one of our favorites, and we think it will be yours as well. Okay, so everyone has different goals and circumstances. And for me, I made the decision that I would start to spend part of my dividends to fund travel. And I did this for several reasons. Primarily, I was comfortable with my pathway for building a retirement nest egg. For retirement, I'll take a total return approach and fund withdrawals with both both asset sales and income. And part of the reason why I made this decision is because I didn't have an overwhelming desire to retire at 50, which is my original goal. And this is a concept that Morningstar Investment Management Portfolio Manager Jody Fitzgerald recently discussed on our podcast, Investing Compass. We'll pop a link to this episode in our resources page. But I'm on track to achieve my retirement goal, provided I can stay employed, and that's a big if, as Shani continually tells me. But I'm also comfortable that I have enough of a cash buffer in my emergency fund to ensure that a period of unemployment won't derail my plans. And finally, I've used a bit of mental accounting as encouragement to keep saving in non-retirement accounts. And I'm, of course, aware that in a rational sense, putting more money into one account nets out when I'm withdrawing money in dividends from another. But I do find this approach mentally comforting. It's kind of like steps, right, Shani? So like many people, we both track our steps, and you're, but you're in competitions with your family. I am, yes. And you know, then you feel like you haven't really done anything if you take a walk without your phone and you're not tracking your steps. <laughs> so that's like my mental accounting. All righty then. Okay. Shawnee is looking at me like I'm crazy. But <laughs> anyway, what I've done is I've set up a situation where every five years, I turn the dividend reinvestment off in an account and add another source of funds to my travel income stream. I then direct my savings into the next account that will go through this transition and try and grow the income as much as possible before that time. And as I previously stated, this makes little sense as I could simply fund travel with my salary, but there's something about passive income that just makes it a little more special than laboring to get it. And maybe this is just simply a mental trick for self-encouragement, but it works for me. All right. So there we go. Shani is one step closer to her vacation and that sandwich with fried rice in it. So thank you very much for listening. If you have any questions or comments, my email address is in the podcast notes. And of course, we always love comments and ratings in our podcast app or in your podcast app. Thank you. Want to give your portfolio an offensive and defensive strategy? 
check out the award-winning Milford Australian Absolute Growth Fund. Utilizing the skills of Milford's experienced investment team, the Milford Australian Absolute Growth Fund has been focusing on delivering a smoother journey for investors for over half a decade. With an emphasis on managing risk and generating absolute returns, this lower volatility equity fund can play a key role in a diversified portfolio. The fund strives for long-term capital growth while mitigating the ups and downs typically experienced when investing in share markets. Find the Milford Australian Absolute Growth Fund, ticker symbol MFOA, on your trading platforms or at milfordasset.com.au. And before you invest, be sure to read the fund's product disclosure statement and target market determination also found at milfordasset.com.au. Any advice in this podcast is general advice or regulated financial advice under New Zealand law prepared by Morningstar Australasia Proprietary Limited and or Morningstar Research Limited without reference to your financial objectives, situations or needs. You should consider the advice in light of these matters and any relevant product disclosure statement before making any decision to invest. To obtain advice for your own situation, contact a financial advisor.